I, I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. (laughs) He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Another great day here, sorta. The temperatures have kind of cooled off, and uh, we're back at it here. And uh, we got another a guest that's always on here. He's been away for a couple of weeks, always getting into it with Rocket Football, men and women's basketball. Brian Bucky is on the phone lines, and once again, as always, we always want to f- welcome in Brian Bucky. Is what's up, Brian? Hey, Derek, how's it going? As we usually are, after further review, crowd just loves the insight that you give us, so we got to give you a round of applause. <laughs> so Brian is now back on the show here. Uh, he was away for a couple of weeks. Last week was the big game, the Battle of I-75, so we couldn't get a hold of him then. And I forget the other week, I forget what happened. But now we're here this week, and the uh, Rockets, nine consecutive I-475 victories over the Bowling Green State Falcons or universities, whatever, that team from down south, they ended up winning 52-36. to It was actually a pretty decent game for the first three quarters, and then the Rockets kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. Um, but, Brian, what, what was your thoughts from the game? Uh, I couldn't actually see the game. Usually I, I try to watch it, but the whole ESPN thing, which we probably won't get into with it being on ESPN+, Plus, so – you kind of have to pay a subscription to watch that unless you get the, the you know, the for the free seven day trial. And then, you know, you can cancel it and then try to use another email to do it, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you can try yeah. to do. But uh beautiful day, packed house. That's when this game should be early in October when people can enjoy the weather and come out. And it also helped that I believe Michigan and uh, Ohio State kind of played a little bit later in the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, was a, it was a nice afternoon, um, great weather, good crowd, like you said, kind of how the rivalry was meant to be played, you know. Um, last year at Bowling Green, they played a, one of those weeknight matching games, and it just wasn't really the same. No. It was cold, it might have been even raining, and it was, you know, bad weather. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good game. Bowling Green was right in it until basically the fourth quarter, like you said. And, uh, yeah, made for a, for another good addition of the of the rivalry. Yeah, and and knowing that Bowling Green basically, 
they're not as good in years past. That's another thing I, I think I like about it is because when it's early on, there's still hope in the season. Usually in November, the only time that I think it's ever been a great turnout was a couple of years ago when they had Johnson as their quarterback. I think Dino Babers was here, was there at Bowling Green, and that was a good, really good matchup there. It was packed in the at Bowling Green. It was a six o'clock game, and. Uh, you know that 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 really that's great for Tuesday nights. But if one of the teams aren't that good, you don't really get a great return on investment. And in years past, when the game has been in late November, you better hope to God that both teams are competing for something. Because if not, nobody's coming to the game. Especially the one year when Kareem Hunt had a spectacular game. It was like 19 degrees outside, and people wanted to come to the game and watch. Because Bowling Green, I believe, was also still trying to get a, a MAC East Division championship, but it was just too cold outside, and it was a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and if you got kids, you got to kind of get, get to bed early. So I think from now on, especially with this whole ESPN fiasco, fin, fin, whatever, fiasco, they need to have it where the game is in either late September, early October. Just have to. It, it just makes for a better atmosphere for both schools, and you know everyone's going to come. I mean, I'm glad that they don't do it as the last game of the season, um, yeah. during break because no kids would come during break and that was horrible too. It was almost like a forgotten game. So, um, enough, but enough of that anyway. My little rant on that one. Uh, Toledo, I believe, improves to three and two. Uh, Bowling Green is uh, once again is another loss. But the thing about it is, and I, I, I talked about this with you last time. It always seems like every time, except last season when Toledo just pretty much, you know. Rick rolled them when Bowling Green in the Mike Jinks era has come up to Toledo. For some odd reason, they play very well. Yeah, they, they stepped it up in this game for sure. Um, they kind of ran the ball down down the throats of, of Toledo. Andrew Clare, you know, I had a couple long runs that were kind of untouched, just um, to the end zone. He came out of the backfield up for like a sixty-yard touchdown. And no one even picked him up out of the backfield. So uh, they have plenty of offense going. Um, it was 24-21 at halftime. Toledo was leading. Um, Bowling Green had a kick that was blocked um, at the buzzer, basically, of the first half. Um, and then, you know, they scored a touchdown late in the third quarter that um, cut it to three points again. But uh, in the fourth quarter, it was just a little too much Toledo. And then uh, – Bryant Kobach had, you know, three touchdowns to kind of ice the game for, for Toledo. And that, actually, that was pretty good because Kobach, he, he kind of struggled out the gate. Uh, hasn't been doing too well those first few games. Uh, still, though, three touchdowns for Brian Kobach. That's that, for the local kid. You know, you kind of trying to say Kobach's back because he looked pretty impressive. Um, talk a little bit about the running game, though, because the running game I heard kind of got off a little bit in this game. Yeah, they had a decent, decent running game for the, for the first time, really, um, this season. They've kind of struggled to, to get it, the traditional run game going. Um, you know, when Gudani's been in that quarterback, he's been able to run. He's their, I believe he's still their leading rusher um, on the season. But, you know, Shaquille Seymour gets 101 yards. Um, Kovac gets 90, and those three touchdowns, you know, in the fourth quarter. 80 for our Tompkins, so... They got that kind of three-headed monster uh, going, and in the fourth quarter, I think they kind of wore down the the Bowling Green defensive line and were able to get some some big chunks in the in the run game. Yeah, that was actually pretty impressive that that they had that uh, Bowling Green actually drops to one and five, zero and two in the conference, 
as Toledo's three and two and one and zero in the conference. Twenty four thousand people actually showed up to the game, and it was eighty four degrees. Yeah, it was a great day. It was, it was nice and warm. Uh, perfect day for football. I believe there was a little bit of rain at, at one point, if I can remember. But uh, other than that, it was just it was, it was a great day for football. Yeah, Jared Dagey for uh, Bowling Green was 18 of 34 for 289 yards. Eli Peters was 17 of 35 for 184. And that brings up the next question. Guidani, early on starter, pretty much is almost a dual-threat quarterback. Eli Peters kind of stays back in the backfield. And before the season started, it was a quarterback, you know, uh, not, I wouldn't say controversy, but uh, basically both quarterbacks were battling to be the, the starter. Now that you've seen both, what does each bring to the team, and who's probably the better fit for this team? I think there's a clear difference in the offense when when Guadagni's in. I just think he's he's so efficient with his passing. He really gets the ball out to the receivers, and he brings that threat in the run game. So I think the offense is just a little bit, maybe a little bit, or um, yeah, just a little bit more dynamic overall than when Guadagni's under center. Um, Peter did a good job of kind of managing the game. You know, he didn't have big yardage, but he had some short fields that he took advantage of and, and threw for touchdowns. So he's clearly proven he's, a, he's an effective quarterback, and if he's needed in a pinch, he can go in and, and really perform. But I still think it's it's Guadani's team, and I think their offense is a lot better when Guadani's in there. So but basically uh, Brian Bucky's vote is for Mr. Guadani. Uh, obviously, uh, another thing is kind of troubling though is is the is the run game. Even though Kobach got three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, basically they were seven yard, five yard, and a twenty one yard you know touchdown scoring. But once again, your quarterback is is the is the is the leading rusher on the team. That's that's yeah. not that's not good. Considering that we've seen some great running backs come through the University of Toledo, uh, what do they need to what do they need to do to, to basically get that going. I mean, Toledo, you know, Shaquille, like you see more, like you said, had 18 rushes for 101 yards, 11 from Bryant, you know, Kobach at, at, you know, 90 and our Tompkins had 79, but can this actually be consistent or can they get a one back that can get you at least one between 100 and 125 yards a game? Yeah. It's hard to say if the, you know, the, the three headed kind of approach is, is working. It's hard. It seems like it's hard for these guys sometimes to get in the rhythm when, you know, obviously they did against Long Green, but against other teams, they haven't really gotten into a flow where they're, you know, they're getting back-to-back series where they're, you know, breaking off big runs because every time, you know, maybe they break it off a big run and then the next possession, you know, Kobach is in for Seymour or Tompkins is in for Kobach or whatever. So I don't know if I'll have to settle on maybe someone getting a bulk of the carries and the others kind of has a change of pace, but um, right now it seems like the the running game did get going against Bowling Green, but um, I don't know if the three-headed approach is really where they want to, you know, kind of stick with it. Um, they usually do have, you know, even when they had Terry Swanson, you know, Shaquille Seymour is getting, you know, five touchdowns against Bowling Green or whatever. So they use multiple backs, and they always have. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Yeah, that would be very interesting to see. Now, they're going up against Eastern Michigan now that the Bowling Green game is 
pretty much in the rear view. Uh, and actually, we'll probably preview the next two games for, for them because, yeah, obviously, you know, we might or might not see and talk to each other in a couple of weeks. But Eastern Michigan, ESPN Plus again on Saturday at noon. And then another Saturday noon game here at the Glass Bowl, October 20th against Buffalo on ESPN Plus. Uh, Eastern Michigan, though, they're actually pretty good this year. Um, they've been good the last couple years. They're not the same old doormat Eastern Michigan where you said, you know what, it's not a matter of when. It's a matter of how much we're going to win on them. This this could be a, a one an in-division division game, and yeah. uh, it, it's pretty important. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, uh, they're they 0-3 in the conference, actually, Eastern Michigan is. But I think they've lost their three games by, like, uh, I think it was actually their last four games they've lost one out of conference, and I think it was by a total of, like, 16 points or something crazy. So they're right in every game. They lost last week to Western Michigan. Um, I think I believe they beat Purdue earlier this season, so they you can see kind of the potential of the team. So it'll be a, a good test. I think at last I saw Toledo was favored by one point, you know, going in there. So um, it should be a, a good game, a hard-fought game, and it'll be a big one in the, in the math last the thing that I guess I'm concerned about with, with this team is their defense. Um, let's face it, everyone knows in the MAC that the defense is, you know, not on par with the other conferences. But this year it seems like this defense has kind of gotten overmatched really bad against the run. What's your analysis from what you've seen so far? Yeah, I think there's just – there's some signs of they make, you know, some good plays, you know, back-to-back. And then it just seems like they're hurt so much by these big – you know, explosive plays that they give up or someone misses an assignment, you know, someone doesn't cover the running back out of the backfield or someone doesn't get in their run gap and it's a 60-yard touchdown untouched for the running back. So I think they just need to kind of clean it up a little bit. You know, last year they were, they were fairly good at max play, so I think they need to kind of regroup a little bit and, and get their communication right and get their make sure everyone's kind of doing their assignment on every play. Um, so there's not these big, huge chunk plays that they've been giving up. Yeah, chunk plays are definitely kill you. Now, I just brought up uh, Eastern Michigan's schedule. They've ended up playing Monmouth and won that one, 51-17. Then they were at Purdue, and they won 20-19. to Actually, I believe I watched that game on the Big Ten Network. They started out 2-0, and but then the mm-hmm. wagons have fallen off. Four straight losses. They lost one at Buffalo, 35-28. Only lost by uh, a touchdown. Then they yeah. played San Diego State at San Diego State. I think that might have been on TV, too. They lost in overtime by three, 23-20. Northern yeah. Illinois up at Ipsy. That went into three overtimes, and they lost by a field goal, 26-23. to Then they also played Western Michigan, and they lost by three, 27-24. So they've been in these games. Once again, in years past, Eastern Michigan was pretty much probably worse than a Central Catholic or Whitmer a high school football team. <laughs> But they're now respectable now, and and the Rockets need to be careful because for one, this team has lost four in a row. Obviously, this is for you know in the division, and, and let's say let's face it, for Eastern Michigan, I mean it would be you know kind of a, a a great moment if they could knock off Toledo and maybe you know make the trip trying to get you know defending MAC champions make the trip a little harder for them if they catch a loss in the division. Yeah, for sure. It'll be hard for them to get back in the race really with those three losses already. But they, like you said, they definitely can can get some confidence, get some uh, mojo going. I guess if they if they are able to beat uh, beat Toledo, and I guess you never know. I mean, there's not one team that really 
you know, kind of stands out above the rest of the Mac West. So maybe, you know, they can get back in the race a little bit, even um, once they start getting, you know, head to head matchups with some of these teams. So um, it's a big game. Um, it always is in the, in the conference first road game in the Mac for Toledo. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now as uh, Northern Illinois is three and three. And they're three and zero in the conference, but their three losses have come to at Iowa, uh, thirty-three to seven, Utah seventeen sixteen or seventeen to six, and at Florida State thirty-seven to nineteen. Those are really reputable uh, opponents. Uh, they yeah. beat Central Michigan, uh, obviously beating Eastern Michigan, and they beat uh, Ball State. Now Eastern and Ball State usually are toward more of the bottom of the division, but they still got the victories. And Central Michigan usually is pretty decent too. Uh, their next mm-hmm. game will be uh, Ohio in DeKalb, which Ohio obviously is usually pretty decent in the MAC East. So uh, Northern Illinois is up there as they're a three and zero. Toledo obviously is one and zero. They played a few less games. And then they've, they've got Western Michigan's ahead of them at 2-0. and They're 4-2. and So it looks like the, the Western division, once again, might be a division where it's it, it, it's it's going to be a race. It's going to be the, the shootout in the West. Uh, we look mm-hmm. over at the Eastern division. Buffalo's obviously is 2-0. and And that, that kind of brings us up. When they play Buffalo, they're 5-1. and It looks like they got the best record overall in the league. This could be a pretty good Buffalo team. Yeah, it is a good team. They have a really good quarterback in Tyree Jackson and um, they have the awesome receiver and Anthony Johnson, so they they have playmakers. Um, they've really kind of turned around the program. That's another one that you know had years where they they were not very not very good, and now they're kind of building their way back. So they were undefeated. I think they lost to Army. Is a, a pretty good team. So um, that'll be a really tough tough game when they when they come into the class school. Yeah, they uh, actually the think of when I, every time I think of Buffalo, guess who I think of? I think of Khalil Mack. Obviously, I'm a Bears fan, so you know that was a great pickup. Thank you, Oakland Raiders and John Gruden, <laughs> you know, sending him our way because right now we're three and one, just coming off a bye week. I'll go down there to Miami and play them. But uh, if they didn't have that, you know, that choke job against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they could actually be. Uh, undefeated, but Buffalo, though, I, I, I'm looking at the schedule, and it it looks like it, it can be a little deceiving, so to speak. Maybe you can you can uh, 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 kind of say something about this, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, and it's like, uh, I don't know. I, let's look at some of the Let's look at some of the stuff that they, some of the games that they've played here. As I'll pull it up, Buffalo, like I said before, is five and one. Uh, they ended up playing Delaware State in Buffalo, and they won forty-eight to ten. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one. That 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 that's not really an impressive victory. Then at Temple, they won thirty-six to twenty-nine. That's not bad. But this is the yeah. temple from three or four years ago. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one too. And then let's see who else they played. They played Eastern Michigan. They won thirty-five to twenty-eight. They were at Rutgers. Rutgers they won forty-two to thirteen. And with that loss to them, I think Rutgers needs to be kicked out of the the Big Ten. But. <laughs> Yeah, right there. And then, um, let's see here. We got um, Army. 
they lost 42 to 13. Now you said Army's a pretty good team. Yeah, I think they're I think they're a solid team actually. Um not sure exactly what the record is, but And then at Central <laughs> at Central Michigan they won 34 to 24. Coming up next for them is Akron. Um and Akron is with Mr. Bowden, I believe Akron was in the MAC championship game last year as they ended up uh uh losing to Toledo. Now they're 0 and 1 currently and 2 and 2. Um yeah. But Buffalo, like I said, should be a pretty good matchup, and they'll be playing at the Glass Bowl October 20th at noon. So it looks like the Rockets have two two important games to win um, to really can, you know, set off the season for them, set the balance for them, and hopefully they can get the sweep against those two teams within Eastern Michigan and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big, uh, big two-game stretch there to kind of get the, the back season rolling, and then they'll – you know, have those kind of looming matchups with you know Western Michigan and Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, you know, among others. So, um, yeah, like you said, it'll be it'll be a big stretch for them for sure. Yeah. So, like I said, make sure you guys check those out. I know that uh, I believe the uh, noon game against Eastern Michigan it will be on ESPN Plus, and then WXUT will have the game against Buffalo. That would be October 20th, Saturday at noon. Now we're going to move over from football and going over to some basketball. And the the Rocket men and women's basketball teams uh, last week had their open practices. I know that, you know, you didn't was able to go because of the big game. But obviously, since you cover the team, you've been to enough practices already because they've started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how do the men look? They got a surprise. Uh, Mr. Darrington from um, Toledo, who transferred from Tennessee, also by virtue of Vincennes Junior Community College. He was supposed to sit out a year. Then a couple weeks ago, come to find out that he got cleared from some waivers, and now he'll be playing this year. He'll be inserted. Um, Add a little bit of firepower to the Rockets, but where does he actually fit with this team? Because you already have some pretty decent guards already with uh, Jalen Sanford and Marion Jackson. Yeah, for sure. I think he definitely brings up some much-needed uh, depth to the guard position. Um, you know, Toledo's really, when you look at kind of Toledo's roster, um, the men's team, it's kind of, it's a pretty deep team if you look at it. But the one area where they were a little bit thin is, is guard, because prior to, you know, Darrington being eligible, um, basically Marion is the point guard, and then... Um, the backup would probably have to be Jalen Sanford, you know, sliding over to the point guard. So, mm-hmm. um, Darrington will bring some much needed depth at the position. He can come off the bench and, you know, he can play the position of Stanford at shooting guard or he can, you know, handle the ball at point guard probably if needed. So, um, it's a, it's a good, uh, welcome addition for him to be able to play this season. And I know he's really excited about it just being back home with the, with the hometown team. Yeah, he he is a senior now. Some people were saying that maybe it would have been better off if he probably would have not played this year and then filled in next year as Sanford would have left with graduation. Also, some big news for them: Justin Ingram moves up to assistant men's basketball coach, I believe, from being the Dobo and now the director of basketball operations. Jordan Loft moves up from grad assistant to director of operations after uh, Kelso. Jason Caslo leaves the program to go join his wife out in L.A. with Bron Bron uh, as she got a job with uh, Spectrum Sports. And uh, was was Todd kind of surprised that Jason left? I mean, he's the, actually the only assistant that had been with Todd originally when Todd got here. Yeah, I'm sure he's a little surprised. It seems like with the, with the hires of 
of Justin Ingram and, and Jordan Loft. Maybe he was anticipating it a little bit, but I'm, I don't think he knew, obviously, ahead of time that, you know, Allie Clifton would be going out to California. But um, I, th- I think, I mean, it was always a possibility, I guess. So um, I, don't, I don't know how surprised he was by it, but they definitely had kind of a, conting- a contingency plan to kind of promote from, you know, within to fill the, to fill the void. Is it weird seeing Loft, you know, as the director of operations? Because, I mean, you see him as a player just only a couple years ago. You see him as a, 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 you know, obviously a GA because that's the natural progression, and then he's moved on up. Um, mm-hmm. Now they, I think they've promoted Evan Caldine as the graduate assistant. Um, I think yeah. I believe he was a manager. I, he was actually in one of my uh, my negotiation class when I <laughs> last year I was here <laughs> as I graduated. Uh but yeah, I, I've been around the program a little bit, both men and women. We'll get to the women a little bit later. But I got to ask you, there, there, there's some some unknowns here with this Brockett men's basketball team. They got all the way to the MAC championship game. Um, obviously, uh, Fletcher uh, ended up getting hurt, and some people believe that if, if Fletcher would have played, they, they probably could have got the win. Probably the favorite out of the MAC West. But as I said, the MAC is always a shootout. We never know what's going to go on. But I'm going to ask you. Uh, we know about Marion Jackson. We know about Sanford. We can kind of know about Darrington. But what about Spencer Little, Little Spencer Littleson, a guy that transferred in from Duquesne? Have you seen yeah. what he what what is he going to bring to the table? I know someone's saying that he's got a he's a shooter. Yeah, I think Kalaji uh, kind of views him as a shooter. He said he could be one of the better shooters on the team. So he's a guy who can really space the floor. Um, He's another guy, I guess I forgot to mention, as far as depth for the guard position, because he can definitely come in and, and be a solid uh, solid guard. And he can, I think shooting, like you said, is his main strength, but um, he'll bring another you know, body off the bench who can really contribute, give them some good minutes. Mm-hmm. Also, um, an, an, another guy we need, to, we need to talk about a little bit is uh, Dylan Alder, Alderson. Um, sophomore didn't play a lot of little bit. He's also at the kind of like the, the combo guard forward. Does he bring something too? And also, Willie Jackson's a forward, but he's going to be a little bit relying on more now that uh, Fletcher's gone. Yeah, I thought Willie Jackson looked really good in, in some stretches. There, there are times I thought where he was kind of competing for like every rebound. It seemed like he was just all over the place, you know, on the offensive glass, on the defensive glass. So he's really athletic. He can play as a as a four, you know, as a power forward and kind of a smaller lineup, or he could even probably play the three if he needs to, but he's more of an energy kind of um, rebounding. His game isn't really refined offensively, I wouldn't say, but he's definitely athletic and can really contribute. And then Alderson, you know, didn't play a ton last year, but he gave him some decent minutes as a freshman. So I can say I think he's a promising player. Um, He's pretty strong. He's pretty athletic. I think he's a really good defender. Um, so he can definitely, you know, carve out a role again this, this season. Uh, and also, how's Luke Kanapke looked? I mean, uh, I know he's been—he's basically a junior. I think he's a redshirt junior, and he's he, his progression has come along from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Now he's a junior. Um, they're they're expecting kind of big things from him. He's kind of basically a stretch fight. He this is here. He's six eleven, two forty five. Not too often do you even see at the power five or even the mid-major level where you're getting a guy that's six eleven, close to seven feet. Yeah, he's a, he's obviously showed that he can shoot the three. He, he did so last year. He stretched it all the way out to the three-point line. Um, I think he continues to build strength and, and get stronger and, and more physical down low, which he needs to do. He's 
he's a very good shot blocker. I think he's the leading shot blocker on the team. So um, I think they expect big things from him this season um, and him for to, to take the, the next step um, kind of in his development. And then also, I got I can't I got to talk about this. I used I actually uh, saw this kid in high school. He's a St. John's uh, Jesuit uh, uh, graduate. I, when I was there, my first season actually coaching over there as a actually as a freshman assistant coach. I see that uh, Blake Williams made the mm-hmm. team. How's he been looking? I know he can shoot though. He is like, is the kids like they say in the streets. He's got strap. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really seen him that much in practice. I've been there a few practices, but haven't really had a, a good look at him. But I know they're they're excited to have him on the, on the team for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Usually, Matt Schaefer, also from uh, Southview, he's on the team. He's been there for I think he's been there forever. Um, but Blake Williams comes in at six foot one eighty five, and you know, just a really good kid. And like I said, could shoot really good. Probably be a, more of a practice player. Obviously, you might won't see him get in the game unless maybe. It's a special situation to maybe to get a shot off. I don't know. Hopefully he can work hard. I think last season he was a practice player with the women's team. And, uh, kind yeah. Of, yeah. Kind of worked his way to uh, actually um, being on the team. Now, the, the one thing i got to ask you is about the freshmen. Keyshawn Sanders, A.J. Edu. Yeah, it's Edu. Edu. I don't know. Uh... And T.J. Smith. Uh, what are they looking at, looking for from the, them? Um. I think they're really excited about the class as a whole. Keyshawn uh, Sanders is a guy who can who can score. He's a, kind of a shooting guard type, and he has a good a good stroke. Um, still getting better, trying to improve defensively, I think, and just kind of getting used to the to the transition to the college game. So um, I think he'll be a good player eventually. CJ um, Smith really athletic. Another guy who's kind of a four. Um, I don't. You know if his range goes out to the three-point line, but I think he has a good kind of mid-range game. He's very, very athletic. And then A.J. Edu is just a really <clears throat> kind of intriguing player just because of his length. He, I think he's 6'11 or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, and he has really long arms. He can really block shots. He can rebound. Um, he's still developing. He's kind of like Tanafi where he comes in and he's really kind of skinny, kind of underdeveloped, you know, physically. So... I think as he gets stronger and um, gets a little more time with the team, I think he'll be a, a big time contributor eventually. Mm-hmm. Now the, the men's basketball team—they look—they look really impressive. Uh, looks like they'll probably have a pretty, I guess, de- decent uh, season. Um, I'm actually going to see here. Let's see their schedule as we're going to pull that up. They play Hillsdale, which uh, is November third. Can you believe that? In less than a month, the basketball season will be yeah. starting. up. actually. We'll be having tryouts over at Maumee High School. As I don't know if I announced it or not. I'm the new JV coach over there. I told you, obviously. But tryouts is November 2nd, actually. And then they have the Hillsdale game at 2.30. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's going to be an I, – I, I tell people this. Even though it is an exhibition and Hillsdale's only Division II, they're probably an upper Division II team out of Michigan. Um, I, four score and many years ago, Hillsdale came in here and took the, the Rockets to overtime and almost beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, really excellent team. So you, you, I, I like the fact that Kowalczyk kind of schedules these games in exhibition because usually the Rockets do spe- schedule some good exhibition games. You know, they don't try to get – well, last year they did get trying last year and they kind of gave them the old rough shot. But other than that, usually Kowalczyk usually brings in some high-caliber D2 or NAIA teams. They just don't bring in, you know, the YMCA local pickup 
uh, team <laughs> to play against them. So then everyone gets in and, you know, they mop them up like 109 to 36 or something, you know, some outrageous fifth grade uh, travel ball league score. Um, but then yeah. the real deal is up where I was just at last week, Rochester, November 9th, basically against Oakland. So they, they start off pretty well. Yeah, Oakland's a good game to start off with. That's a tough, uh, tough road game to go, go there. And Oakland's usually a good team. I think it's Greg Campy as their coach. Mm-hmm. Sixty-nine years old doesn't look it. Wow, that's yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. So, yeah. No, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I, that'd be I, I figured that out at the camp. Uh, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Miles from Nebraska, he's a good friend of uh, Greg Campy. He said, Greg Campy, 69 years old. And Greg Campy was actually sitting right across from me at the, the Michigan Coaches Basketball Clinic. And I looked and I said, he's 69? The dude, look, <laughs> literally the dude looks like he's in his maybe mid to late 40s. So, <laughs> so, so he really kept himself in shape. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And the last thing we talk about here is women's basketball. Kind of look a little bit of a preview here, as you haven't, you know, haven't been on for a while. And you had a really good article about um, some some incoming freshmen that are, that are coming in here. Uh, Tyra Carlston Hanberg, who's a transfer, mm-hmm. Nakia Black. Uh, those are the two transfers. Sorry, Carlston Hanberg and Nakia Black are the two uh, transfers. And then Jayla Johnson. That name sounds familiar. Sophia Fortner and Lexi Lance. Yeah, I think there's a girl at Notre Dame or something who played there with a similar name or something. I don't. But not the same person. Yeah, not, yeah, she's from she's from Louisville, I think. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So we'll we'll yeah. get that. Uh, and you basically mentioned Jan Bravo Harriet is uh the second leading scorer. Obviously, has graduated. You know, great player as well. Kayla McIntyre, the senior. I can't believe she's a senior. I remember uh, talking to Nick Petrovich, who now does the beat for Bowling Green. Um, yeah. Talking about her coming in as a freshman, she was a highly kind of touted freshman because she was a local girl. Now she's a senior. Last year she was the leading scorer. But uh, as you mentioned before, talk a little bit about the transfers and the new freshman coming in as we're talking to Brian Bucky from the Toledo Blade. Yeah, Carlton Hanberg, she uh, played at Illinois Chicago her freshman season. Um, she's, um, she's a, I think, a center. She'll probably play a lot of center for the team. And, uh, She'll kind of be a, a good backup for uh, for Kayla McIntyre come in and give her a spell. But I think you know Trisha Collett mentioned you know that they haven't really had that since they had um, Sophie Leaker. Mm-hmm. Um, that had like a true five that could back up you know Kayla. So I think she's excited about that, and they um, she gets some good minutes out of her. She's from Sweden originally, so she's another kind of international uh, product. Um, but yeah, she should be a good uh, addition to the team. And then Nakia Black um, is a junior college transfer. I think she went to Tallahassee Community College, and I think she's she's someone who can kind of score the <coughs> score the, <coughs> excuse me. She can score the ball pretty well. Um, she can give them some additional scoring. Um, and then the three freshmen, um, the two teammates, Sophia Fortner and um, Lexi Lance from Wadsworth. Um, Sophia is kind of a scrappy, kind of pass-first point guard. And then Lexi someone who can kind of give him, again, some more, more scoring. So, And then Jayla is a, a guard who um, is pretty well-rounded with her kind of overall game, good scorer, good passer, good defender. So they're, they're excited about all, all five of those players. They can really add some depth to the team. Yeah, they, they always get very excited about the, about the team. Um 
But then again, we also got to talk about uh, May Tachene. Is she going to be ready? I know she had a knee injury. Yeah, it looks like she's been practicing, and, and um, looks like she should be good to go. She was limited a lot of last year, so I think she should be uh, ready to roll here. And then, obviously, we we got to talk about these guys, the, the senior, the guard, to actually help them bring home a, a MAC championship uh, two seasons ago. Michaela Boyd and Mariella Santucci. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michaela's been turned into a really good overall player. She, you know, she's one of those players that does a little bit of everything. Um, she's one of their leading scorers last season. She plays really good defense. She can pass the ball very well. Um, she rebounds exceptionally well for a guard. Um, so I think there's big things ahead for her, her senior season. And then Mariela Santucci kind of, honestly, she kind of took a little bit of a step back last year. It seemed like she just really struggled with her shooting for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. By the end of the season, you know, teams would kind of leave her, leave her almost wide open from three and, and kind of, you know, ask her to shoot, basically. So, but um, we obviously know how good of a passer she is and how good of a ball handler she is. And if she improves her shot and kind of gets more confidence and consistency with her shot, she could have a really good, good season. It looks like also they're returning to Nia Beecham as well. They had a little bit to the front line. Um, mm-hmm. When I, once again, I was at the camp, one of their team camps, did you know Sophia Fortner was actually a licensed referee in the state of Ohio? yeah i actually refereed with her she she was showing me the ropes something and and, and when i talked to her she's actually a very mature 18 too like i talked to her and i'm thinking you you uh you you are you sure you're 18 but yeah she actually like i said it it says outlook and highlights she possesses a great basketball iq and she does she she has a good iq and like i said um she actually um is a great basketball player and she's a referee. So she knows the rules of the game and she knows how to play. So that, that's just a little tidbit for you rocket fans out there. That you, uh, there you doing go. that. The one thing I got to ask you, and Jayla Johnson's also pretty good too. I've seen her. Yeah. Mariah Copeland though, where does she fit in? She didn't get a lot of playing time last year. We know she can shoot from the perimeter. And now you're talking about these three freshmen in the transfer coming in. Where does Mariah Copeland fit in? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, they have a ton of, when you just go over the roster, you know, there's a ton of depth and you think all these players are going to play, but it's, there's only, you know, a certain amount of playing time with what, with what really is a veteran veteran team overall. Right. So, like you said, she can bring some shooting off the bench. Um, we'll see if she can kind of cut out a role. She really didn't play much as a freshman, so uh, maybe this is the year where she kind of develops and gets, um, gets some more playing time, but that'll kind of remain to be seen if she can kind of work her way into the into the rotation yeah because then you have sarah rokadin who's also a shooter um and, mm-hmm. and she's a junior and then sarah st ford isn't a shooter but she's a senior but she brings a little mm-hmm. bit of like that cree smith kind of hustle a little bit you know offensively challenged but brings a little bit of the hustle so as you mentioned i, I always tell like to tell parents and in meetings, you got to understand that there's so many minutes in a game with so many players that divide up the playing time. Somebody's going to get the short end of the stick. Right, right. And you look at the roster, and you think all these players are talented and can contribute, but like you said, there's only so many minutes to go around. And um, with players like Michaela and Kayla McIntyre, those players are going to eat up a lot of minutes. Yeah. Even Paris St. Ford is on the court a lot because um, what you can do defensively and and hustle wise, like you said, so there's only a certain amount of playing down to go around. So a lot of you know, talented players. 
Oh, yeah. So, our good job uh, here with uh, Brian Bucky. If anyone knows, he played for Ottawa Hills and he used to get buckets. So, it's Brian get buckets, Bucky, here from the Toledo Blade. On After further review, we talked about the Rockets football. Uh, then we talked about the BG game. We previewed the uh, Buffalo and Eastern game as the Rockets go on to play Eastern on October. Uh, 13th and then the 20th Buffalo and we also previewed the men and women's team hopefully they go out to have a great season I'm going to look up this real quick before we get on out of here because I have to get to uh, physical therapy actually for my ankle so uh, actually the women they end up playing as I'm going to look at the schedule they play Finley pretty decent team um, from D2 is it I believe that's always on November 3rd the double header that the Rocket men and women do for their uh, exhibition they play Finley and then they're at Maine on November 10th a week later man I'm thinking of November the weather's changing the leaves are falling and now we're talking about November and I'm thinking of candy corn and turkey <laughs> so, Halloween before we know it yeah no but once again Brian thanks so much for calling in you always bringing us the, the good stuff for us <laughs> what you got right. com- what you got yeah. coming what you got coming up uh this uh week or this weekend or next um, week Nothing really that kind of stands out. Um, just football stuff, more basketball, like you said, ramping up. So just kind of the daily grind, I guess. And high school football wrapping up. And like you said, the football season getting in the grind in November and uh, basketball season. Once again, Brian, thank you so much for calling in, man. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot. Yep, that was Brian Bucky from the Toledo Blade here on 88.3 WHUTs. After further review, and uh, once again, like I said, thank you so much for him for calling in. Um, always giving us the great stuff. We gave you about 40 minutes of great material talking about Rockets football, men and women's basketball. Uh, but yeah, we're going to kind of get on out of here and uh, get into our, our next uh, segment here. Once again, you listen to 88.3 WGTs after further review. Make sure you check us out on the podcast, either on SoundCloud or on iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us and then give us five stars. You know, say this is great podcasting here from the fellas of After Further Review with Frank Vaster, David the Man of God Harris, and myself. Derek Lawson. And then we're always on Saturdays, 11 to 1, sometimes right before the football game. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we return, we got more after further review after this here on 88.3 WXUT.